1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Amanda E. White. She is a licensed therapist and also the creator of the popular Instagram account, Therapy for Women. She is also the author of the brand new book, Not Drinking Tonight, a guide to creating a sober life you love. And in this conversation, that is what we dive into. We talk about not just not drinking, but also the role that drinking plays in our lives, the role that it can, the role that it has, and essentially, what are some of the ways and or signs that show that you're ready to rethink your drinking? I happen to share in this conversation something I think a lot of other people will relate to is that during the course of the pandemic, some alcohol intake got increased and then also intentionally decreased. And that's the key word right there, intention. It's not just about coping and using things to cope, but it's being intentional about the life you want to live and the role that substances, regardless of if it's alcohol or not, the role that those substances play in your life, having intention, having self-awareness. And it's not just about choosing not to drink. It's about choosing change that needs to happen. Trust me, the great thing about Amanda is that she brings her therapist mind and experience to this process. I also say this, that her book is not just about drinking. It's kind of drinking is the Trojan horse that gets you in the door, but it is way more about intentionality and creating the right habits and choosing the life that you want to live and then intentionally choosing what is in or not and the boundaries that you have, et cetera, all from a a healthy therapeutic standpoint. So I'm just going to get out of the way and just say, you're going to love this conversation with Amanda E. White. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Amanda White. Amanda, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So I think the listeners are used to me saying this now. I get a lot of pitches for guests on the podcast that I think most podcasters do, even if they don't do an interview show. I've seen the emails. And this was a no-brainer to me, especially in light of the pandemic for me personally. So it's really kind of a personal connection in that way, but you have a new book out. The book is called not drinking tonight, a guide to creating a sober life you love. And one, I love that topic Two, I love that. You're not preachy about it and Mm -hmm. saying you must stop drinking. It's way more about overall wellness and overall health and self-awareness, which is something we say a lot on the show. But I'm curious, and obviously this is in the book, but I really want to start by setting the context of your story, your journey, your personal path to this book. So that's really a great place to start to kind of see where you're coming from, in other words.
0: Absolutely. So I'm a licensed therapist. I specialize in working with people who have substance use issues, but also just people with anxiety and depression. And I'm someone who is sober. I don't drink. I haven't for seven and a half years, but I was also someone who didn't really fit the mold for, you know, being an alcoholic or necessarily having a problem. Like I didn't, you know, go to jail or it's not like I didn't, I didn't drink every day. I was young also. So I looked a lot like my friends who were drinking, but as I was in therapy myself, I started to notice how hard it was when I would start drinking. Essentially, it was hard for me to stop. And it was hard for me to kind of live my values and live the life that I wanted once I got essentially drunk. I would kind of all my values kind of went out the window. That's my personal experience. But professionally, it's really interesting with alcohol because as a therapist, your job is kind of to explore all the different areas of someone's life. We look at how are your friendships serving you? How's your job serving you? What about your sleeping habits, your morning routine, all of these things but whenever I ask someone what about your drinking habit, the first response a lot of times is, "Well, I'm not an alcoholic, I don't have a problem, and that's not what I'm asking, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: they get defensive, in other words. It's, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor's office and they ask you, you "No, know, are you a smoker? Have you ever yeah. been? Do you drink on average? Yep. How many do you have in a day, a week, et cetera? And you're just like, oh, "How? let me see if I can come up with the right number in my head of right out of drinks that it's okay for me to drink, but not come across as an alcoholic.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and I love this, that one, you're a therapist and you're tuned into the addiction cycle. That is key. Not just key in terms of your insight into this, but also it's a personal thing. I yeah. also love the fact that you're a therapist who goes to therapy. Yeah, <laughs> talk about there's the the whole phrase of you know eating your own dog food or drinking your own shampoo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's so important. I mean, I'm really of the belief that anyone can benefit from therapy. It's not just people that have problems. I mean, it's one of the most important things I do for my mental health. So I'm a big believer in kind of therapy for everyone. We can all benefit from you know, someone, kind of a neutral person helping us understand ourselves and our decisions.
1: Yeah. So I'll take like, let me say 30 seconds to share my story. Yeah. I, I grew up in kind of a, not ultra, but more conservative religious kind of an upbringing. So drinking was a no, no. So I, I didn't really have anything in high school and so on. And it was like late college, early, you know, graduated college being that it was like, oh, hey, you know, and for better or for worse, unfortunately, that's kind of where that comes from. But I've never been somebody who's been excessive. It's been
0: mm-hmm.
1: minimal until pandemic. For 2020, it was just like, okay, I need, you know, hey, it's, and it was the rationalization. It was, yep. okay, well, the world is falling apart. We're stuck in, what else is there to do? I, yeah. I just stared at a screen all day working. And I can't go anywhere or do anything. So let me just kick back, watch a movie, and have something. And hard seltzer was probably the thing that was the most in play for me. That and like some like bourbon and stuff. But anyway, so, you know, that said, these days it's like almost nothing, back to almost nothing. And honestly, I can't remember the last time I had something right now. But what's great is, is we're not here to say you should never do this. Right. Here to say, one, yes, you should never do it in excess, and you probably should never get drunk. That's just stupid. <laughs> judgment call on your part, but I'm going to yeah. state my judgment there. But but it took me months mm-hmm. of 2020, especially into the, the summer and late fall, where I started to realize, well, one, I'm drinking all these empty calories, mm-hmm. it's just not helping. And it got to the point where it was habitualized. It was a one or two a night kind of a thing every night. And there was a hard pivot where it was like, oh, there's no more. I'm not buying anymore. I'm done. And I took a good chunk of, I mean, I I can't tell you with certainty how many months it was, but it was a good chunk. I know that was longer than 30 seconds, but that's my story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really, really common story. And I think one thing that's really interesting too about alcohol is, right, it's not just, right, habits are Addictive is the wrong word, but we crave, right? Like part of a habit is you crave the reward of the ritual, right? And then you add it kind of, you add alcohol to that on top of it, which isn't a you know, it does create a thirst for itself and it can be a really difficult, you know, pattern to break because you've got kind of a double whammy there.
1: Yeah. Well, and so I'm curious. So you were, I think you were prior, you said you have been sober now for seven years. Yep. Well, that means 2020. You already were sober. I'm curious. What was your perspective as you see all the mm. other people talking about drinking to excess? Yeah, in the beginning and ongoing, you know, times of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I understood it. Especially, I mean, I work with clients, so I, you know, talk to them about it. And it was, I think, it makes a lot of sense that you know, when we're trapped inside, when we have nothing to do, there's something. I think also about the way alcohol is marketed, that we're kind of taught that alcohol makes the night. Somehow it feels like we're doing something if we drink and watch a movie versus just watch a movie.
1: If you're just drinking and not watching a movie, then you're the alcoholic.
0: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so it was interesting to watch. It didn't surprise me because just often in times of stress, in times of I think when people are overwhelmed or bored, people tend to drink more. I was surprised by I think just like the statistics that came out. They were pretty aggressive statistics of how many more people were binge drinking, especially like your story is not unique in that I did have a lot of clients who kind of... A couple months later, we're like, wow, I, I'm having trouble kind of stopping this. And what does this mean? And a lot of fear. I think it's really important to be able to ask the question. Typically, people say, "What you know, do I have a problem? Is this too much? And I like to kind of flip the question over and say, well, is alcohol making your life better? You know, what is the actual impact of it on your life so we can look at it more neutrally?
1: I got to say that one of my favorite aspects of Canva Pro is the ability to do a magic resize. So if I create it in one version, like for, say, a square to go on Instagram, I can then magically resize it to fit other design specs, like for Instagram stories, or maybe I want a longer, more rectangular version that'll work differently, like on, say, Twitter or Facebook. The magic resize just saves you so much time, so you're not creating all these different versions. You can magically resize them and then save them out as different versions. If you're not a designer, but you want to design like a pro, you can with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a 45-day free extended trial when you use my promo code. Just go to canva.me slash beyond to get your 45-day free extended trial. That's canva, C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash beyond, canva.me slash beyond. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. I think it's funny the way you, you brought up that it's marketed a certain way. Anybody who scrolls social media sees some of the jokes in terms of like, that's yeah. mommy's juice or yeah. you know, all those kind of perpetuated things where it's normalized to this is just the way it is. And there's actually another substance that's similar, which is coffee, yep. especially caffeine in many, many forms, where it's just like you can't get away from it. In terms of its accepted excessive usage, right? Yep. And absolutely. Now it's safe to say there's more attention thrown to excessive drinking leads to really bad results, but it's still a mainstream quote drug.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a really great quote people often say. You know, alcohol is the only drug you have to justify not taking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and again, even caffeine. People, mm-hmm. like, you don't drink coffee.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, you,
1: don't, you don't drink anything with caffeine in it at all. Yep. And so side note that, you know, 10 second story there, like there have been times where I've reassessed my yeah. caffeine intake because Absolutely. reliance on any specific substance or habit for that matter. If you don't have intentionality behind it, then you're not really making the decision. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And that's really the whole point of my book is that I kind of say that If you never understand fully how alcohol impacts you, if you never have a chance to question it, which most of us don't, we see our parents drink it or not drink it. We're exposed to media, we're exposed to friends. And if you don't have intention, if you don't have an understanding of why you're doing it and how it impacts you, you're not actually making a conscious choice. You're just kind of going with, you know, what the general narrative is.
1: Now, obviously, you've expressed that like my story is not unique in terms of the pandemic. And that's the most recent like upsurge in terms of drinking slash excessive drinking. But I'm curious, other than that, and you know, mm-hmm. hopefully pe- people have thought and pivoted away from that being the norm now. But what are some of those signs that I am ready to rethink my drinking?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think some of them are when you start to realize that it's not fun anymore. I think a lot of times when you're young, alcohol can feel really fun. And at some point we all get older and start getting hangovers and it doesn't really have the same impact. I think that's a pretty good one. I think if you realize that you are getting into a habit of kind of like drinking every day or you know, you aren't able to flexibly change, right? Like if you go on vacation and you are concerned about making sure that you can drink or stay in that kind of routine or you go to a different place and you need to make sure that you kind of like have that beer every night, I think that's a really good one to look out for. And I think just in general, I love asking the question, like, is alcohol getting you closer or farther away from the life that you want and the values that you have?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think anybody who is healthy is thinking about those things, although again, it's it's kind of like the whole idea of I'll only go to the doctor when there is an issue. I yeah. go as regular like check-ins just to make sure things are okay. And so, I mean, I would say this book is a moment of awareness to pause and take a specific look at drinking, but I think you're coming at it from the therapist Mind or perspective, yeah. and I think you're you're using drinking as the prop in a good way to mm-hmm. address like your whole life like you yeah reass- I mean reassess your life in terms of the things you're intentionally or unintentionally doing habitually
0: mm-hmm. absolutely and you know I'm proud of in the book there's lots of questions and journal entries and prompts and stuff because I really come from the perspective of, I don't know what's best for you. Only you do. But these are some questions and some concepts to help you kind of really understand for yourself what would serve you best.
1: Yeah. You know, and again, coming from your insight into the addictive nature of alcohol, I wonder if there's any kind of telltale signs. In other words, you're not an alcoholic, but you're, you could be, or you're going that direction. Yeah. Like, in other words, here are some of the warning signs, like I kind of caught in myself. Yeah. just like, look, I don't feel like I am. I can take it or leave it. In fact, I've left it. I wouldn't call myself sober, but I would yeah. say I am not a regular dream. Yeah. But it took me pausing, noticing, and then having an internal dialogue with myself about that. So
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love how you phrased it like that you're kind of on the path because I think there is a misconception that you either are an alcoholic or you're not. And if you're not an alcoholic, you never will be and you don't ever have to rethink your drinking or worry about it. And we know kind of just based on research and our brains and stuff that we all given enough trauma, drinking history, things, stress, things going on in our life, we all have the capability to use alcohol in an inappropriate way where we could kind of get addicted to it or have a problem with it. So I love that you're kind of talking about it in that way. And to answer your questions about signs, I mean, some of the biggest ones are if you need to drink more to get the same effect, which is kind of known as tolerance, if your tolerance is increasing over time, I mean, of course, this is a huge one that would kind of be if you're more on the more severe end, but if you are experiencing any kind of withdrawal symptoms, if you need to drink every day, one thing people don't know, withdrawing from alcohol is really dangerous. It's actually one of the most dangerous drugs to withdraw from. It's more dangerous than heroin or anything else, and you can actually die from it. So,
1: Okay, I want to jump in. Talk a little bit more about this, because... This is news to a lot of people like that, yeah. that does not compute with what we know about like the illegal drugs. Yeah. Calls a legal drug. So yeah. we would think, well, then it's, it's safer.
0: Yeah. I mean, in terms of right, like, obviously there's other drugs that are unregulated, which make them much more safe. And there are drugs that are more addictive. Than compared to alcohol, which makes them more dangerous. But in terms of withdrawing, it's very dangerous because your body just really adapts to kind of having alcohol in your system. It stops producing different types of hormones over time. Because alcohol is a depressant, you actually end up with more anxiety because your body wants to be in homeostasis. So if you take a depressant. Your body produces anxiety hormones like cortisol and denorphin to rebalance you out. And then the problem is alcohol leaves your system and you're left with those anxiety hormones. So if you're someone who has a lot of anxiety or just feels anxious the next day after drinking, that's also a good sign that you might want to cut back.
1: Yeah. So say somebody, they're hearing this and they're like, that's my story, you know, whichever of our stories they align with. Yeah, They want to pause. They want to sit and rethink and obviously grab the book because it's good for not just drinking, but for your whole life self-awareness and assessing other things as well. But say they want to pause and and they want to take stock and they want to reassess wherever they land on this, they want to get on that path now. Mm -hmm. What are some of those initial steps look like for maybe a couple different versions of people here?
0: Yeah, I think one of the best things that someone can try to do is take a break. 30 days is a good place to start. If that's overwhelming, you could start with one week or two weeks. And I recommend that just because sometimes it can take time to adjust and you might not feel those kind of positive impacts of drinking less if you're still drinking a bit. But for another person, maybe if you don't want to fully take a break, I mean, I think one of the simplest things that you can do is they make a lot of alcohol-free kind of beverages and things like that on the market now, you know, there's good beer, wine, you know, mocktails, all kinds of things. So if you're kind of someone who's in the habit maybe of having like a beer at the end of the night, try to switch that with an alcohol-free version and see how you feel. Because a lot of times we feel that like, Ah, at the end of the day, before we even take the first step, we feel it when we like pour the beverage and sit down on the couch. So if you can, you know, swap it for um, an alcohol-free version, you might be surprised that it—you don't really want the drink; you kind of want the moment.
1: Yeah, it's the maintaining of the rhythm or the ritual of doing it, less, so the the actual drug, maybe.
0: Exactly, in a similar way to you know a lot of people who stop drinking caffeine or whatever they may do, like decaf coffee or something like that.
1: Yeah, there you go. Because like I still like to drink something warm first thing in the morning. Yeah, when it's cool or cold, hot that's a different story. But yeah, definitely decaf coffee helps, and even half calf. Yep. So I guess that ties back to you know we were talking a second ago about I guess detoxing from drinking alcohol consistently and how that's even harder in in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. So I hear somebody out there saying, well, wait a second. If it's harder for me for this legal drug to weep yeah. myself off of it versus an illegal drug, why would I jump in and do a 30 day like break? Isn't yeah. that going to wreck me?
0: Well, I do think, I mean, I'm saying that kind of just in terms of if you experience withdrawal symptoms from like if you're drinking enough where if you stop drinking, you feel like you get the shakes, you are throwing up, you can't sleep, your heart is racing, any of those signs, that's when I would say go to the hospital because it can be dangerous and you don't want to have a seizure. But if you're someone who only drinks, you know like one drink a day or you drink a couple times a week, it's very unlikely that you're gonna have symptoms from detoxing and and cutting out alcohol. But yeah, if you wanna try essentially, you know, having one drink a night that's alcoholic and one drink a night that's like non alcoholic as a way to start, that can be a good way to go also.
1: Yeah. It's a weaning process. And again, as long as you're intentional about it, that's kind of the way we're going with this, right? So Exactly. Yeah. I, I can't help but think then. That there's got to be other support mechanisms to reinforce proper coping. What do those look like in terms of like, okay, whether I go the route of weaning myself off and like really like doing the half-calf slash decaf route, caffeine-wise, yep. or doing a cold turkey 30 days, yep. in each of those scenarios, there's probably going to be withdrawal symptoms to a certain extent. Yep. How can we start to lean in on proper coping mechanisms?
0: Yeah, and I think this is a really good point because I think we can also learn coping mechanisms before we even necessarily change our relationship with alcohol too. And I think the biggest things to really focus on are stress relief. Most people use alcohol to decompress at the end of the day, to deal with their emotions. Most of us are not taught How do we process an emotion? How do we sit with something that's uncomfortable? So even if you do still choose to drink, I often recommend that people try not to use alcohol to process their emotions and instead develop healthy coping skills like going for a walk, taking a shower, calling a friend. You know, none of these things are like as fun as drinking necessarily, and they may not be a quick fix. But if you can get into the habit of allowing yourself to feel your feelings and to work through them in a healthy way, you're going to support your mental health going forward much more.
1: Yeah. Feel your feelings and deal with your feelings instead yeah. of drowning your feelings.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly.
1: Yeah. it Maybe it's a matter of, again, replacing, swapping out of the actual beverage or substance or something, or it's supplementing with a completely different Habit, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Atomic Habits, the book by James Clear. This is where this could come in really well as a partner, kind of a one two punch Amazon purchase of this book and that book, you know? Yeah. But that's kind of where it is. It's like you've made it either something that's so ritualistic or dependent upon in one form or another. It's almost like Jenga pull the thing out and then. Well, I guess putting it back in is not the right metaphor, but it's it's I'm kind of going that direction.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what I say often too is that like you know anything that we see on the surface is I use the metaphor in my book of an iceberg, and it's like the alcohol use is what you see on the surface, but what's going on under the surface might be anxiety, depression, stress, you know, uh, lack of boundaries, you know, all of these other things that are going on. And we want to make sure that we're looking at the bottom of the iceberg and healing what's going on underneath in order to really support changing our relationship with alcohol or any other behavior that we would do to deal with it.
1: Yeah. And again, to reiterate, though the title is called Not Drinking Tonight, it's not called Not Drinking. Right. <laughs> and, it's exactly. not about, and it's not about making judgment on anybody else. It's about having the relationship with it that you want to have. And like you just said, it's about addressing the root causes that we've let that substance or ritual step in and fill that need. And it's like, well, it's not the appropriate use case.
0: Exactly. And like over time, if we keep using alcohol, for example, instead of learning how to do some of these things, like set boundaries and say, no, that's a big thing. A lot of people will just drink alcohol instead of having a hard conversation, you know, in their life. If we're again, coming back to what do you want your life to look like? Having those hard conversation, dealing with your emotion, working through stress, it might initially be more difficult, but long-term you're investing in yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. this is true it's not external self-care it's that true internal self-care it's it's a lot deeper than that but yes it's yeah definitely the path towards that for sure
0: exactly and sometimes self-care is like you know not doing the thing you want to in the moment to kind of take care of your future self
1: yeah yeah it's as much about what you're choosing to do with a yes as well as what you're saying no to exactly yeah Man, there's so much here in terms of where we can go and dig in and stuff, but I'm trying to think of if there's one maybe particular place to go and then kind of wrap up. But I just think there's so many people who can identify with either your story or my story, or they are somebody, I guess there's a third person here. (laughs) There's somebody who's never drank ever. Yeah. But like I said, this isn't about like, I I really think it's kind of a Trojan horse in some sense. it's not the drinking per se that your book can help address. It's the yeah. other unraveling of just circuited pathways in our brain that we've just without being intentional about let those pathways form and mm-hmm. those pathways aren't who we really want to be. And so we need to pause and decide to rewire.
0: Exactly. And with every new habit that we do or every new choice we make, I mean, our brains can change and we don't necessarily lose those old patterns, but we can create new ones through making different choices.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say like, one, you're a therapist and let's make the pitch for people should do therapy here. <laughs> Why not? I've done it a number of yeah. times. I haven't done it for a little while, but I've been thinking about it again recently. And I think maybe somebody needs to hear it. <laughs> yeah. so.
0: I mean, yeah, I am a huge believer in therapy. I think that there is something really, really powerful. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I have my spouse or I have my friend. And that's not the same as therapy. You know, your therapist is a neutral person who cares about you meeting your goals and you get to decide what those goals are, what you want for your life. And I think one of the most powerful things about therapy is they get to kind of gently kind of show you when you say you want this and you're doing something else, they get to kind of say like, hey, you're saying this, but you're doing that. What's going on? And help you create more congruency in your life.
1: Yeah, I can't say enough. I mean, we don't have a current like sponsor that is a, you know, home therapy, you know, and I won't even name them because, hey, they didn't pay for it. So. But we have in the past, and I think there are some very easy ways to jump in and do that. So look those, you know, hey, go to uh, the show notes for this episode, or go to the, the the landing page for this episode, and people can type in therapy, and they will find yeah. those links in past shows. But I think ultimately, what we're saying is, you can be a mature person and be intentional about not only how you react to the world, but how you choose to interact with it as well and you need to bring your full self to that that's part of like this reassessment
0: exactly exactly and even if you're someone who doesn't have an issue with alcohol like you were talking about a lot of my book I kind of say alcohol is the way into the book but a lot of the book it was actually one of the one of the critiques I got that someone said that I talked too much about other things but I really believe everything is connected you know, any addictive or unhealthy habit you have, you can kind of use the framework of the book to look at.
1: Yeah, perfect. It's a perfect way to look at it. So I really think this is a great book for anybody to get, whether you're a person that has or does drink or not. And I'd love to push people towards where they can find more about it as well as find out more about what you're doing. Cause obviously you've got more going on than just this book, you've got the whole therapy for women thing going on as well. Yeah, Where can people go to connect with you as well as learn more about the book? Yes.
0: Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is therapy for women. That's the name of my practice, but anyone of any gender is welcome to follow me. And you can also head to my website at themandaewhite.com. You can learn about the other offerings I have and learn more about the book, which is available. You know, I have all the links on my website, but it's available everywhere books are sold.
1: Very cool. Amanda, it's been awesome talking with you about this particular topic, but I know we probably could have you back and go even deeper into some of the ways that we can like gain better coping skills, things like that, and really up our game productivity-wise. So we'll have to have you back.
0: Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a great combo.
1: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Amanda E. White. I know that I did. I really enjoyed talking with her, and I really enjoyed the book, and I know that you will, too. You should check it out. It's linked up in the show notes. If you found this conversation helpful in any way, I would love for you to do me the favor, as well as somebody else for that matter, the favor of sharing this with them. Would you do that? Think of somebody you know needs to hear it or might be interested in listening in on this. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice. Let them know that you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode.